A message for those of you with broken places. Hi, it's Heather Gray back in your earbuds this week. I want to talk to you about the conversation that people seem to be having all over social media this week um, in response to the suicides of Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain. I myself woke up to the news of Anthony Bourdain. It was the first thing that I saw when I got up and it it really rocked me to my core because um, Anthony Bourdain (laughs) kept my husband and I company. after he got hurt. Um, you know, uh, Damon couldn't really do much and he was recovering. So we watched a whole lot of travel TV and imagined all the places we would go if he wasn't in the middle of recovering. And Anthony Bourdain just took us to all the cities in the world and all the places. So it's with a heavy heart that I record today's episode. Um, And I had also been thinking in general about a conversation I wanted to have on the podcast that I've started to have in my Facebook group. I've started to have in different business coaching groups and communities I'm a part of. And you've certainly seen a deeper message coming from me here on the podcast. But I, I couldn't find the words. I couldn't figure out what I was trying to say. And because this is a podcast, I kept telling myself that I have to get to the point. I have to decide what my message is in order for the listeners to really get it and connect. And the series of events that have happened this week have just made me realize like I can't wait until I figure out what I really want to say because someone just may need to hear me today um, and can't afford for me to wait. So it it felt like I just needed to start talking. So if you're one of those people who likes nice, organized, (laughs) bite-sized, snackable episodes that have a point, a specific direction, and a specific point of view, I'm going to be totally transparent and tell you that's not today's episode. I've been trying to organize my thoughts. I've been trying to write them down and figure out what I want to say, but it's not working. So I'm going to take advantage and I'm just going to start talking. I'm going to see what comes out and hopefully together we'll come up with a point. So here's the thing. Earlier this week, I found this old Facebook post that I had remembered. A client of mine had directed it to me um, back when we were doing work together and my mental health therapy days. And it was talking to people with their broken places who didn't know what they wanted to do next. Um, And I, I kept thinking about that post. I pulled it up for reference. I shared it with a couple of people. And then I heard this new song out by the country music band. And don't stop listening to me just because I'm mentioning country music. But the the band Sugarland came out with a new album this week. And they have a song on it called Tuesday's Broken. And there's a lyric in the song that was like a sucker punch to me. And I wrote, I took the time before the episode to just write it down so I could read it to you. And it says, what if we tried to reach her with words? What if we looked her in her eyes and asked, where does it hurt? And I realized to myself that we don't really do that, do we? We don't ask people where it hurts. And I know I'm so guilty of that. I am as guilty of that as the next person because when I burnt out from mental health therapy, the last thing I wanted to do was ask people where it hurts because I'd heard too many people talking too many times about all their hurt places and I just didn't want to know anymore. 
I didn't want it to be me who asked the question and then felt responsible for whatever answer came our way. It was so much easier to sit in the mindset space and talk to people about superficial topics like imposter syndrome and shiny object syndrome and talk to people about this idea of choosing happiness and happiness being a choice and all the ways in my own life that I've successfully done that. And if I did it, you too can do it. And the, the reality is, is it's not true for everybody. Some people don't survive their battles. Some people really do try pretty effing hard to fight for their lives they want and they don't get what they want and they can't overcome mental illness or they can't fight their demons. You know, I've read, I think nearly every one of Anthony Bourdain's books, he did a kind of scary horror-like book that I skipped, but I read all of his nonfiction work about all the places he's been over the years. And, you know, he was somebody who was completely honest and transparent about his drug addiction, how he was using it to numb emotional pain. Um, and he was really clear about his broken places and how he was trying so hard to use his passion to build his life and all of that. But that his passion for travel also, he, you know, self-reported that it cost him his marriage. So he himself was in the journey and he lost the struggle somehow. And none of us are going to know how or why. Um, I, I do know, though, that he was as honest and as transparent as he could be. Um, and it's still, you know, it still didn't work, right? He, he talked and, and he didn't win the battle. And then we have people in the online business space and, and not in the online business space. It tends to be my wheelhouse. So I end up talking about that more often, but just people in regular everyday life who feel trapped by their decisions, trapped by the lives they've they're currently living, feeling like they can't make a change. They can't do the thing they want to do because too many other people will be disrupted. And that's um, the, the letter that I'm going to read you in just a bit from Elizabeth Gilbert. She speaks to that. But then there's also the really real reality that um, mental health, it's really hard to get good quality care. The system isn't set up for success for that. One of the things, and I don't know if I've ever shared this on the show, I know I've shared it in different discussions I've had with people, but um, when I left my brick and mortar private therapy practice, um, I was still accepting insurance right up until probably the last six months of the building, uh, the business. And um, the leading insurance provider in our area at the time was Blue Cross Blue Shield. And I was getting paid less per hour by Blue Cross Blue Shield and all the other insurance companies as well at the end of my 10th year in business than I was in my first year. Because the Blue Cross company and all the, you know, surrounding insurance areas, uh, agencies in New England lowered their payment rates and scales for providers. So the incentive to help people with severe mental illness goes down when you're not going to be reimbursed for services. I just talked to somebody last week who has been in a cycle of depressive episodes. She can list at least five depressive episodes in the past, I don't know how many years, it's kept her out of work. She hasn't been able to sort of, you know, get herself out of her uh, family's house. Um, and she told me that the insurance company won't even let her have a therapist for like, it's, she can't meet with her. Let me get this right. I want to make sure I report it accurately. If I'm going to go on a rant, I have to get my facts right. But she could see a therapist once every six weeks. 
That's the type of help you can get when you're so sad and so depressed you can't function and go to work. You can have a therapist that you see once every six weeks. That's the state of our mental health system, and that is certainly a part of the problem. But that isn't like the part that I can control today. I can tell you all of the facts and figures. I can tell you that I was the expert at working with the hardest to reach population, the youth in Massachusetts, that I was responsible for working with suicidal kids at a time when I was making $14 an hour doing that kind of work before I got a graduate level degree. So it's not reimbursed very well to get the most experienced people in front of the people who they need the most. So what ends up happening, the most severely mentally ill in our country, if they're lucky enough to get help, are getting help from the new grads. They're getting help from the 22, 23-year-olds who don't know what the heck they're doing, who are overworked and underpaid. And that's one of the reasons why this problem is so rampant. I, I can't spend too much time on it. I, it feels like I, you know, it felt like a point I had to say <laughs> since I'm in the industry and everybody's talking about it. But that's, you know, that change on that level is is going to be a while. I, I can't do a podcast episode about that and expect anything to change. But what I can also tell you is about my morning this morning. And I'm going to take a deep breath <laughs> before I tell this story because I'm still kind of pissed off. Um, so I woke up to the news of Anthony Bourdain and then, you know, I went about my morning and I dropped my husband off of work and I was just driving to the market to take, you know, to pick up a couple of things and I was on a familiar route and I was in traffic for five to seven minutes. Um, the traffic just dead stop and really not, not, um, consistent for that area. It's usually an empty road that I can whiz by in 10 seconds. So being in traffic for five to seven minutes was, you know, a little attention getting. As I get to the source of the traffic, I see a woman sitting Indian style in the middle of the road. Cars are just going by her. No one has stopped. <laughs> They're just honking their horn. I hear some people yelling at her and driving on by, but nobody is, as far as I could tell and observe, doing anything. So I pulled over to the side of the road and I called the local police department and I just said, hey, this is the situation. I said, you probably have a bunch of pissed off people calling in, but I just wanted to let you know. And the dispatcher was like, I'm really glad you told us. No, we haven't gotten a call about this. I'll send an officer right away. So I just... I sat in the car and I like, you know, my first instinct was like, wait for the officer because this is a busy road and obviously cars are not stopping. Um, and it, it didn't work for me. <laughs> so um, I opened the, my car door, I get out and I'm trying to cross the street to get to this woman. And I'm gesturing to the driver saying like pointing to myself and then pointing to the woman and saying, hey, I'm trying to get to her. I'm trying to help her. Like, could you like freaking stop your car, please? And let me go. Finally, enough cars in the intersection stopped so that I could safely get across and reach her. And I got in front of her and she seemed kind of older, frail, I don't really know what her deal was. I wouldn't presume to diagnose her. Um, she didn't speak the entire time of our interaction, um, but she seemed very, you know, disoriented to say the least. So I just said, hi, my name's Heather. I'm trying to help you. I would really like to get you across the side of the road if you could, um, you know, if you could work with me to stand you up, perhaps we can, you know, we can walk. Are you in pain? 
um, you know, how can I help? And it didn't really work, but eventually I got her to stand up and we took a couple of steps and then thank goodness, thank goodness, thank goodness, the police finally came and, you know, used his car to block off the traffic. And he came up and he said, hi, I'm Jerry. (laughs) I said, hi, I'm Heather. I'm just trying to help this woman. I get across the side of the road. I don't know her. But I'd really like, you know, really like to help. So together, the two of us were able to walk her across the road. We got her to sit on the side of the curb. And, you know, he called an ambulance. And I was, you know, getting ready to go back to my car. And I said, hey, did you get any other calls about this? And he said, no. And I'm just like in awe of this, right? Like we were everywhere on social media right now. Everyone's saying you're not alone. Let's talk about the dark side. Let's reach you. Like don't, don't suffer in silence. Talk to people. We're here. You're not alone. You've got a friend, right? And then like, what does our behavior say? <laughs> that Like how many hundreds of cars pass this woman without stopping? Because we're so numb to what? The homeless population here in California. We're so numb to people panhandling in the middle of the street that we can't recognize that this woman's kind of like looking down facing Indian style. Why can't we stop? And then what does it say if all we're doing is getting on social media? P.S. Using branded photos. I call bullshit on that. Don't try to reach people with your message. Don't try to reach people and tell them that you're here from your business page. If you want to be a friend to somebody, be a freaking friend to somebody and reach out. That's another rant. Clearly, I told you this was going to be disoriented and discombobulated as I talked to you. But we got to be real and we got to be human. And that doesn't mean that we can all afford to stop every single time, right? But I think part of what I saw like in live real time with this woman in the street is we all assume someone else is going to do it. How many people passed and assumed the cops had already gotten called? I'm sure. I I, I can't imagine that everyone was just so tuned out, numbed out, probably (laughs) listening to their own radio or podcast to just keep on driving by and not think to call the cops. Everybody probably, not everybody, but some people probably assumed somebody else had already done it. We can tell people all we want you're not alone. I've been there. You've got a friend. Here I am. Here's my hand. But what we really need to do is a gut check for ourselves, who we are, how we move through the world, check in with ourselves about our own energy levels, because we have to put the oxygen mask on ourselves first, see what we're capable of giving and contributing, and then give and contribute that. Sometimes, my friends, the answer's honestly, openly going to be nothing. There's nothing you have to give. When my husband was sick in 2015, I had nothing to give. I was taking care of this one human, and I honestly didn't care about any other human in my space. That is going to be true for you sometimes, and that is okay. But we have to take a chance, and we have to reach out when possible, in a way that's authentic and consistent with us, and show the hell up. 
And it doesn't count just to go on social media and post about it. It makes us feel good as posters. Everyone else who says, like, it hits that like button and it hits the smile button and sends the big hug feels better. But I don't know that we really reach the lost and lonely people. I'm not thinking that in doing this podcast episode, I am reaching the lost and lonely people. I'm hoping to talk to the lost and broken places that exist in each side of my listeners and know that like and send the message that I'm thinking about you. I care about you. I would like to help if there's a way possible for me to do that. But I, I'm not telling myself a story that this podcast is going to effectively be the same thing as showing up for someone. All I can do where my control ends for today is having the conversation, talking to people and their broken places, acknowledging that when we talk about mindset, we're really talking about the stuff that life has handed us that we haven't quite figured out how to make sense of yet how to organize, how to overcome, how to sort of decide which stories and lessons we have to take from those events are true and which we can throw away and toss in the garbage. We also too, you know, part of this and um, every time stuff like this happens and all of that, I'm always a little bit semi haunted by the fact that my brand is built on the idea that happiness is a choice, right? Because in the face of, um, you know, successful suicides, it, it seems so insulting and, to, and so oversimplified. But it's also too, it is about recognizing the control we have in our lives. And sometimes the control in the lives we have, like, it's going to stop at simply accepting help, or it's going to start at simply asking for help, that it's not going to be about making the big, bold move, making the huge change, daring greatly. Sometimes the most daring you're going to be is simply like reaching out to someone you know, like, and trust and saying like, I, I need something today. Um, I was sort of shaken and sad um, after the thing that happened on the street today. So I just called a friend and said like, hey, like I had this weird thing happen and like society seems so disconnected from it and I feel so deeply connected to it. I can't make sense of it. And so, you know, for those of you with your broken places, like part of this really is telling people like I have a broken place and finding your people who you think are going to listen, who you think are going to give a shit and just sharing your story and sharing your pain and asking for help. But also too, as much as I'm going to roll my eyes at some of the posts and the messages and all of the things we're seeing on um, social media and in the media and, you know, in writing and blog posts right now, if somebody is sending you a message to say, like, if you're struggling, if you're hurting, call me, I'm here. Like you do have a responsibility for answering back, like to, to own that, like, you may not know what to say say next. You may not know what to do next, but if someone is saying, if you need to talk and you do need to talk, like you, you need to say so because people aren't going to know otherwise. We can show up. You know, it always reminds me of like the, the worst thing that people always say, right? Is if you need anything, let me know. I can't even tell you how many times over the years 
I've been, you know, either after rehab with my husband or, you know, when he was sick in 2015, people just constantly say, if you need anything, well, I was so like in it, I had no idea what I needed, but it would have been awesome if people had just perceived a need and shown up and done it. So that's the challenge also too, right? Is that we're going to show up, we're going to be present, we're going to recognize where we are in this journey, what we're capable of adding, um, contributing, doing, recognize where our own limitations are because we can't be saving the world. Sometimes saving ourselves is the best we can do, but also recognizing if that we are still in the land of the living and we do have the oxygen in our tank and we do have the resiliency to make our lives different, to make them closer to what we want, closer to the thing we want. We, we owe it to ourselves to give that a go and to try. And for some of us listening, that's going to be going to therapy. For some, it's going to be talking to a doctor, reaching out to a parent, talking to a friend, finding a support group, going inside a Facebook group. Like there's so many different options, but it's going to start with asking for help. Some people are going to be capable of more. Some people aren't going to be hurting as much and they're going to be able to take the reins of their own life and figure it out. And I, you know, I hope they do. Um, this is the letter from Elizabeth Gilbert that she wrote back in, um, I think, 2016. She's the author of Big Magic, I think is her book um, that I read of hers. Um, and I, I had put this aside the other day to share it with you at some point. And today seems like a good time. So I'm just going to read it and hopefully we'll all get something from it together. Here goes. Dear Ones. Most of us, at some point in our lives, unless we have done everything perfectly, which is nobody, will have to face a terrible moment in which we realize that we have somehow ended up in the wrong place, or at least in a very bad place. Maybe we will have to admit that we are in the wrong job, or the wrong relationship, with the wrong people around us, living in the wrong neighborhood, acting out the wrong behaviors, using the wrong substances, pretending to believe things that we no longer believe, pretending to be something we were never meant to be. This moment of realization is seldom fun. In fact, it's usually terrifying. I call this moment of realization, not this, because sometimes that's all you know at the moment. All you know is not this. Sometimes that's all you can know. All you know is that some deep life force within you is saying, not this and it won't be silenced. Your body is saying, not this. Your heart is saying, not this. Your soul is saying, not this. But your brain can't bring itself to say, not this, because that would cause a serious problem. The problem is you don't have a plan B in place. This is the only life you have. This is the only job you have. This is the only spouse you have. This is the only house you have. Your brain says it may not be great, but we have to put up with it because there are no other options. You're not sure how you got here to this place of this, but you sure as hell don't know how to get out. So your brain says, we need to keep putting up with this because this is all we have. But still, beating like a quiet drum, your body and your heart and your soul keep saying, not this, not this, not this. I think some of the bravest people I've ever met were people who had the courage to say, not this out loud, even before they had an alternative plan. 
people who walked out of bad situations without knowing if there was a better situation on the horizon, people who looked at the life they were in and they said, I don't know what my life is supposed to be, but it's not this. And then they just left. I think my friend who walked out of a marriage after less than a year and had to move back in with her mother, back into her childhood bedroom, and face the condemnation of the entire community while she slowly created a new life for herself. Everyone said, if he's not good enough for you, who will be? She didn't know. She didn't know anything about what her life would look like now, but it started with her saying, not this. I think of my friend who took her three young children away from a toxic marriage, despite the fact that her husband supported her and the kids financially, and the four of them, this woman and her three children, all slept in one bed together in a tiny studio apartment for years while she struggled to build a new life. She was poor, she was scared, she was alone, but she had to listen to the voices within her that said, not this. I think of friends who just walked out of jobs with no job waiting for them because they said, not this. I think of friends who quit school rather than keep pretending they cared about the field of study anymore. And yes, they lost the scholarship. And yes, they ended up working at a fast food restaurant while everyone else was getting degrees. And yes, it took them a while to figure out where to go next. But there was a relief at last in just surrendering to the holy, non-negotiable truth of not this. I think of friends who bravely walked into AA meetings and just fell apart in front of a room of total strangers and said, not this. I think of a friend who pulled her children out of Sunday school in the middle of church one Sunday because she'd had it with judgment and self-righteous of this particular church. Yes, it was her community. Yes, it was her tribe. But she physically couldn't be in that building anymore without feeling that she would explode. She didn't know where she was going spiritually or within her community, but she said, not this, and walked out. Rationally, it's crazy to abandon a perfectly good life, or at least a familiar life, in order to jump into a mystery. No sane person would advise you to make such a leap with no plan B in place. We're supposed to be careful. We're supposed to be prudent. And yet, and yet, if you keep ignoring the voices within you that say, not this, just because you don't know what to do instead, you may end up stuck and not this forever. You don't need to know where you're going to admit that where you're standing right now is wrong. The bravest thing to say can be these words, what comes next? I don't know. You don't know. Nobody knows. It might be worse. It might be better. But whatever it is, it's not this. Onward, Elizabeth Gilbert. I um, I love what she tells us in this. Um, it moves me and inspires me. And when I, I know that mental health and mental illness is such a huge part of depression, but sometimes the most depressed people I see are people who believe they're trapped in lives that they can't get out of, that they're trapped in experiences that they can't escape or in symptoms that they can't find their way out of. That yes, suicide and severe mental illness are, you know, rich, multi-layered problems. And uh, they're, we're not going to solve them today. I'm not going to solve them. I have no, no illusions that I'm going to solve them in a single podcast episode. But I do wonder, when we think about the lives that are public today, this week, it's Kate Spade and it's Anthony Bourdain, two people who 
on the outside looking in, everybody would assume found success and found their version of it. And clearly they had their demons that, you know, some were more public than others, but they had their pile. Um, but when we think about businesses and we think about what the things are that we usually talk about on this show, so much of success only works when our personal lives are right that successful businesses more often than not are a reflection of that. I had a friend um, share a post with me um, and I tried to find it, but then I, I lost it before the episode and I just realized I had to get on the mic. So if I find it, I'll probably add it to the comment section for you guys to listen to in the show notes. But this idea that the most successful businesses are a reflection of the most successful personal lives. And I think sometimes people try to escape or run from their personal lives in order to build successful businesses because they think that's the answer. But wherever you go, there you are. Um, so if something isn't working, if you're just listening to this and you're going, yep, not this, my challenge to you is to figure out what's not working and then just let it go so that you can open yourself up to what is going to work. I think so often people stay in these cycles of unhappiness and tr feeling trapped in their own decisions. They don't know how to get out. And so they live in that land of not this. I think that's that's the message I want to share with you today. It, it comes twofold. One is um, if you're doing good, if you're right with your life, if you're right with your business and you have energy to share, you got to show up for people. Like you can't just put a post on social media and say, hey, I'm here and pat yourself on the back. Um, you got to show up. So that's going to be my triple dog dare for you. Show up for somebody. Stop the car for somebody. Take a right turn and park somewhere other than where you were going for somebody. Like, do that. Like, just show up. Don't ask, how can I help? Don't tell somebody who's already hurting that they can find you if they need you. Imagine who might need to see you today or hear from you today. Pick up the phone, old-fashioned style, and call, or get in the car and go. And if you are one of the people I'm talking to with the broken places, listen to the messages of people, well-intentioned, although sometimes misguided, <laughs> who are offering you help, and think about saying yes to somebody. If you are listening to this and you feel like I'm talking to you and talking to your life, then take a chance on your life and say, not this. Just listen to your heart and see what happens next. I started this episode sort of not knowing where I was going to go with it. And now I find myself ending it going, I don't know what I had to say here. I don't know if this is any value. Um, but it, it comes from my heart. And um, one of the things that I'm most proud of about this show is that I communicate transparently. And so I trust that, you know, hopefully this is not the first episode you're finding me on. Like that would be weird and awkward. But those who know me, those who are following along and listen to me, um, if you're living in this not this moment, just know that I believe you can get on the other side of it. If you need my help, if you want my two cents, if you're stuck and you don't know what the first move should be next, 
use the show. Use me to find out. Um, you can message me over at heather at choose to have it all.com. You can write me a letter. I'll, I'll offer as openly and as honestly as I can my two cents. I'm also, if you're currently in the United States, I'm going to be accepting people for live coaching on the podcast. So if you're interested in um, being coached in real time on whatever you're struggling with, I'd gladly, happily help. Um, consider this my outreached hand. Um, this is, you know, the, this is where my control ends and this is where the limit of my show ends. Um, when the hot mess is in front of me, I can pull my si- car off to the side of the road. I can get out and I can help. But uh, when it comes to podcasts, this is the best I can do. So hopefully this has kept you company and during a time in a week where you're probably trying to make sense of a few things yourself. And hopefully uh, whoever needed to hear this message finds it. Um, that's my wish, hope, and prayer for today. Thanks so much for joining me. I look forward to talking to you next time. Bye for now.